Coming up on Mayo Clinic Q&A. And your heart muscle is like other muscles, it gets activated electrically. And that electrical impulse starts off at the top of the heart and finishes off at the bottom of the heart and allows the heart to activate and pump in a sequential way from top to bottom in a coordinated way, giving you your pulse and the normal blood pressure. But if the electrical impulses that coordinate your heartbeats are irregular, you can have a condition called heart arrhythmia. Your heart can beat too fast, too slow, or out of rhythm. Today on Mayo Clinic Q&A, we'll explore the causes and the treatments of this common heart issue. It's very straightforward to investigate. It's very straightforward to reassure when things are benign and readily treatable. We have treatments that can prevent risk, prolong life, and can maintain quality of life for people. Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic q and I'm Dr. Helena Gazelka. We've all experienced a heart rate increase when we exercise, or sometimes if we feel nervous or excited. But, but what if your heart rhythm changes and you aren't expecting it? That condition is called a heart arrhythmia. Heart arrhythmias occur when the electrical impulses that coordinate your heartbeats don't work properly. This causes your heart to beat too fast, too slow, or irregularly. So what causes heart rhythm problems and what can be done to treat them? Well, we have an expert joining us to discuss this today. Dr. Elijah Baer is a consultant cardiologist at Mayo Clinic Healthcare in London. Welcome, Elijah. Uh, thanks for having me, Helena. Well, thank you for being here to discuss this topic um, with us today. I am sure this is something that all of our listeners can uh, relate to in one way or another, maybe even after drinking too much caffeine. Or alcohol, for that matter. Oh, interesting. Yes. So Elijah, please start by telling our listeners, what is a normal heartbeat? So the normal heartbeat um, is what you feel is a pulse in your wrist or in your neck, or sometimes when you're lying on your side in bed. It's the pumping of the blood around the body by your heart muscle. And your heart muscle is like other muscles that gets activated electrically. And that electrical impulse starts off at the top of the heart and finishes off at the bottom of the heart and allows the heart to activate and pump in a sequential way from top to bottom and a coordinated way, giving you your pulse and the normal blood pressure. And the heartbeat can just vary according to what your body needs. So if you're asleep or resting, then your heart rate will be slow and your pulse will be slow. And the heartbeat, therefore, is slower reflection of that heart rate. Uh, otherwise, if you're excited or anxious, as you said, or wanting to do sport, then your heart rate will increase, the heartbeat increases, um, and that all reflects what your body needs and what your brain wants it to do. So tell us, what is the difference between the normal heart rate and an arrhythmia, and what are the types of arrhythmias? So there's a normal heart rate range that basically uh, corresponds to, as I said, what your body needs. In general, if you have an excessively slow heart rate, that can cause symptoms or sometimes be a sign of danger. Um, that's called bradycardia. Now, if you have an excessively fast heart rate, that's called tachycardia. And it really depends on the circumstances because sometimes a normal heart rhythm can be bradycardic or tachycardic and be appropriate. But in other settings, it can represent disease and even be a life threat for people. Interesting. What causes arrhythmias? So in terms of the causes, they are quite varied, but there are quite um, simple mechanisms in the end. 
if the heart rate is going too slow, that's because that electrical impulse is either failing to be generated in the heart or it's conducting very slowly in the heart or blocking in its conduction. And that's what causes bradycardia and there are types of bradycardia, including heart block, which can be very dangerous for people and require treatments, which we'll discuss later. Um, in the fast heart rates, um, that may be caused by electrical short circuits in the heart or by areas of damage to the heart that make the heart just suddenly beat out of control. Um, and those, um, uh, those are the uh, different causes of tachycardia. We talked about the fact that the heart rate can vary. So how would an individual know if they were experiencing an arrhythmia? What would the signs and symptoms of that be? Well, some people can get disturbances in their heart rhythm that they're just not aware of uh, and will only be picked up just by their Apple Watch, for example. Um, now, other people will feel symptoms and that may feel a bit like dizziness or maybe uh, passing out even. So it can be quite dramatic in the symptom if, uh, if it's an extreme sudden slowing or extreme very rapid heart rhythm. Uh, alternatively, they may, they may just feel their heart going more rapidly than they would expect. Uh, maybe a bit of dizziness with that, sometimes a bit of breathlessness or even chest pain with it. But palpitation is the way we, we term that. Um, the perception of the heart rhythm being abnormal in some way. And, and that may even just be a, a small flutter, an extra beat, a little bit of irregularity that, they, that the person may feel in their chest or in their neck. I think it is fascinating, the variety and symptoms that can be experienced. I had Graves' disease about 10 years ago, and I remember being very tachycardic, particularly if I would try to work out, but I had a great deal of anxiety associated with it. And I wasn't sure if I was having an issue with my mental health or if I was having a cardiac issue. Well, certainly um, uh, stress, anxiety, the levels of adrenaline in the system will increase the heart rate and then make you feel potentially that there are palpitations going on. And that's an important symptom of anxiety. But sometimes people are experiencing true palpitations and they worry about them and subsequently the anxiety makes it worse. And often doctors struggle to tell the difference unless they actually do tests. What are those tests? Oh, well, the tests can range from uh, electrical recordings of the heart just of a 10 second snapshot. So that's an ECG, electrocardiogram, um, or EKG as it's called in the States. Um, or it could be just continuous monitoring. The simplest of these are called 24 hour tapes or altimeters, where you get hooked up a little box that you go home with um, and it records your heart rhythm uh, from a few uh, electrodes, little sticky labels that get put onto you and connected to the box. Or you may get more sophisticated uh, monitoring systems that can even have little implants under the skin that can monitor you for years. So there's quite a, ra a range of ways of recording symptoms. I can imagine there's also a range of how you might treat arrhythmias depending on what they are and what they're caused by. Yes, and, and as you say, it's very much due, very much relates to the cause, the underlying heart disease, if any, um, and the symptoms that they're, they're causing. So, for some people, if, if they're unaware of them or they're very inconvenient, uh, they're not inconvenienced by them, then you could just leave them alone and not treat them. Uh, medications can sometimes be useful to suppress them, and if people don't like medications or the medications aren't suitable, particularly if they have other uh, health problems then you can consider other treatments such as ablation uh, therapy, 
which is a type of uh, keyhole uh, surgery that's uh, done through the veins or the arteries in the body to get into the heart and to destroy that little, little area of, uh, of heart damage or um, short circuit that I mentioned to you before that can be the problem. Alternatively, you can sometimes use electronic devices um, that can be implanted under the skin and connected to the heart. So for example, pacemakers are a critical part of the treatment for slow heart rhythms and can prevent people from blacking out and can save lives very easily when they're suffering, when people are suffering from heart block. Alternatively, for very rapid heart rhythm problems, ventricular tachycardia and ventricular fibrillation, these are potentially life-threatening rhythm problems where a shot to the heart may be necessary, then uh, an implantable defibrillator may be the right treatment for the patient. So there is a range of therapy already available and hopefully there'll be better therapies um, as I get older in this field. <laughs> Elijah, there's been a lot of interest about um, COVID and, um, and how it could affect the heart. Is there an association between viruses like COVID and heart rhythms? Yes, it's been hard to necessarily tease out whether there is a direct effect of COVID on the risk for rhythm problems in the heart. There probably is a small effect from that point of view, but I think much of it is related to whether COVID is directly um, affecting the heart, say by inflaming the heart, causing myocarditis, which is a risk that's uh, recognized, but is still quite rare, um, or whether there's direct damage to the heart as a consequence of some of the damage to the small blood vessels that supply the heart, which is a consequence of some of the COVID infection. And so really it's, it's, it's a consequence of the, the effects COVID has on the heart muscle that may then stimulate rhythm problems, either at the time of a COVID infection, or if there's been um, significant damage to the heart muscle because of a severe COVID infection, then maybe residual is a risk for that person um, as they recover from COVID and be part of the long COVID complex. But most of the um, serious effects of rhythm problems are in the people who are seriously ill in hospital or in intensive care uh, and, and part of their general illness and thankfully resolve uh, once the illness is treated. Elijah, it sounds as though there's a great deal of disparity between uh, whether a heart rhythm is innocent or um, not significant and whether it might be emergent. How would an individual know that they should be seen uh, immediately for a cardiac arrhythmia? Yeah, I think there are some red flags, really. Um, and the red flags are based on symptoms um, or maybe on the background for that person. So um, if a symptom is serious, so a sudden collapse or loss of consciousness, I mean, that's immediate mm -hmm. attendance to emergency department. Likewise, if one's uh, having palpitations, so the heart racing away unexpectedly and uh, associated dizziness, lightheadedness, another reason to go to the emergency department straight away uh, and calling an ambulance if, uh, as required. Mm -hmm. um, things that may uh, be a little bit more amenable to being assessed as an outpatient are comings and goings of palpitations that aren't making somebody feel unwell particularly, that could then be assessed um, outside of the hospital in, in a diagnostic clinic, for example. Uh, the other um, things that may worry somebody is if they get chest pain with their palpitations as well, because that may also be a, a sign of um, associated risk. And certainly if chest pain is ongoing, then they should go again as an emergency to the, um, uh, to the emergency department. 
The other thing that's a red flag in particular in young patients is if there's a family history of concern. So accepting that that person may not have any history of heart problems themselves already, if they know that there is a family history of somebody at a young age having had a, a premature sudden death, or if there's a family history of inherited heart problems, then that may flag up that there is a potential risk if somebody's having symptoms uh, or may actually just need screening from the point of view of uh, preventing risk before they develop symptoms. But certainly not something to ignore if it's an ongoing issue, it sounds like. Oh, of course. No, and it's very straightforward to investigate. It's very straightforward to reassure when things are benign and, and readily treatable. And obviously, as I said, we have treatments that can prevent risk, prolong life, um, and uh, can maintain quality of life for people. Elijah, any last uh, words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Uh, that's a good question, wisdom indeed. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think the important thing is not to, um, not to leave things unattended to. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about them. Um, uh, if, you can get them if you can get them attended to and looked after, uh, and that uh, you know, cardiologists are well prepared to look into that. And I guess when I think about visits to physicians that I have had, often they listen to your heart and lungs. So I would imagine that as an ongoing uh, regular care, having your heart um, examined as well is important. And it's so a good call for, for us to receive our regular uh, general care as well. Yeah, and um, we, uh, you know, we've been trained as doctors and cardiologists to do all these classical things for our patients, but we also have technology to hand that's readily available and uh, getting increasingly cheap to deliver. That actually renders a lot of what we, a lot of those clinical skills that we spend so long attaining, um, a little bit redundant. But uh, you know, I, my my ears are not as good as a as a cardiac ultrasound, an echocardiogram. Uh, and that, that's pretty straightforward uh, and, and reassures everybody once we get back a, a good result. Well, thank you for being here uh, for this conversation today, Elijah. My pleasure. Nice to talk to you, Anne. Our thanks to Mayo Clinic Consultant Cardiologist at Mayo Clinic Healthcare in London, Dr. Elijah Baer. I hope that you learned something today. I know that I did. We wish each of you a wonderful day. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org, then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well. We hope you'll offer a review of this and other episodes when the option is available. Comments and questions can also be sent to Mayo Clinic News Network at mayo.edu.